0: Welcome to the Wealth Studying Podcast. This is episode 245. Today is August 19th, 2017. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager of investablewealth.com. Well, many of you have been wondering what my uh, take is going to be as to how the markets are going to be reacting to all the political drama and theater that's coming out of the White House in D.C. and The CEOs across the country uh, apparently abandoning the um, Trump agenda, uh, yada, yada, yada. Well, I'm really not going to talk about it at all, other than to discuss it in terms of what seemingly has quickly evaporated from everyone's memory. And that was the episode that I did just 10 days ago, where I talked about how the threat of nuclear war from North Korea was pretty much nonsense It wasn't going to happen, and any pullback in the market, I would view as a buying opportunity. Well, here we are, exactly 10 days later, and can you find any mention of nuclear war in any of the media? No, everybody has forgotten about it. It's evaporated from everyone's mind or memory, and they're on to the next drama, the next noise, the next static. And so right now with everybody so up in arms about how we're going to have a market correction and we should be going to gold or Bitcoin or, you know, moving to New Zealand or whatever it is, I'm not buying it. I think that this market is being driven by the same fundamentals that has been driven on for the last three years, and to some degree, those fundamentals are improving. Not totally. I mean, there's a lot of problems, and we'll briefly discuss them. But the bottom line is, and I know I sound like a broken record, but it's the truth. And that's why it's so boring, and that's why you don't get it in the media, because they know the truth is boring, and so that's why they're always going to pump up the nonsense. Because that's what appeals to your emotion. That's what gets you to tune in. I'm going to tell you the reality of the situation as it relates to the stock market. It's going to be basically that nothing's going to happen. Or if it does, it's a buying opportunity. And you don't want to ever put all your eggs in one basket, whether it be a cryptocurrency or a precious metal or one particular stock or one narrowly focused mutual fund, or ETF sector. You want to have broad diversification that goes along with the current trends. That's what wealth studying's all about. Last Friday, not yesterday Friday, but the Friday before that, when everybody was all worried about nuclear war, I went out and I bought an ETF that focused on big blue chip U.S. banks. I wasn't worried about a nuclear war, I'm looking at trends that are in place that are favoring large U.S. financial institutions, and that's regardless of whether we have a reality show president in the White House or whether we don't. You see the trends that are driving things right now, as I say, are the same fundamentals, the underlying foundation that's been behind this bull market for about the last three years, certainly since mid to late 2014, and that's the impact of China, and in particular, the slowdown of China. The reason the market's pulled back so abruptly and violently, well, violently, about 10%, you know, twice uh, August, October 2015, and then January, February 2016, the primary reason we saw that is because the three things I'm talking about right now. One is the lack of growth in China. The second reason are global interest rates and how they're being artificially suppressed and manipulated by the central banks, namely the United States, but all the central banks. They're all in this together. And then the third one, and this is really not an issue, it's just a consequence of these first two things I just talked about, and it's the overall stability of commodity prices. If growth in China is increasing, then commodity prices will go up. If growth in China is decreasing, commodity prices will go down. If the Federal Reserve is properly managing the economy, we should have fairly stable commodity prices with a 2% or so inflation rate. The trouble with commodities is if commodity prices go through the roof, it's bad on the consumer. On the other hand, if we have slowdown in China and if that results in deflationary pressures along with automation and robotics and all the other trends I've been talking about. In fact, what I wrote a book about, the robots are coming. Put a little plug in there for that. Get it at Amazon, your local library, all the normal places including Barnes & Noble. In that book, I talk about the effects of automation and robotics on creating deflationary pressures, just like the deflationary pressures which are coming out of China, which all these central banks are manipulating the interest rates to counteract that. And you would say, well, deflation's good. It means lowering of prices. Yes, I agree with you, but you have to remember that our economy and all the global economies are based 100% on debt. And debt does not like deflation, debt can only be rolled over and refinanced when you're in an inflationary cycle where you can always rely on commodities and real estate prices to keep moving up and so the problem we have with deflationary pressures specifically from a slowdown in china is that all the commodity prices collapse copper comes down zinc comes down the price of real estate in vancouver uh, oil prices, everything comes down because less of it is being gobbled up and used in this exponentially expanding economy in China. Even if the Chinese are just growing at what would be considered a normal rate of you know three or four percent, that's still drastically lower than these double-digit rates that they've been growing on in the past, and which investors nonsensically. Thought would be extrapolated into the future and go on forever. And that's why we had all the the peak oil fears and things like that, is people thought that China would keep building cities the size of Houston every day and a half, and that all these commodities would be consumed. And that would mean we would need more and more commodities, and the price would go up and up and up. And so that created all types of malinvestments into these commodity markets and into these nations that specifically support commodities like, for example, Saudi Arabia, which depends almost 100% on oil exports, when that inflation fails to materialize, when the demand from China for iron ore and for coal and for petroleum and for copper and all these other things, when the demand comes down and prices come down, and that's good for you and I, we're happy to go to the gas station and pay less for gas, but the bad part is that the companies and the countries and the societies that have built a debt-based system all around these high and ever-increasing commodity prices they can no longer finance their debt and so consequently we see a country like Saudi Arabia which for the first time in maybe history or at least decades last forty years the last couple years they've been running deficits they need to borrow money that's why they're looking at selling off their oil resources Because they're in a situation where it's hard for them to finance their lifestyle and finance their debt-based success, which has all been based on ever-increasing oil prices. The copper mines of Chile, the oil fields of Argentina, the oil fields of Russia, the oil fields of Texas, pick whichever one you want. None of those drilling rigs or none of those mines are operated and built and financed with cash. They're all built and financed with debt. And when you structure your debt around oil at $110 a barrel or on copper at $4 a pound, well, that payment structure falls apart when oil consistently is below $50 or when copper prices you know, hover around $2.5, 2 and, a half, 275. and so that's the problem, the problem of these countries and companies that may or may not be able to finance their debt. If we have bankruptcies and we have defaults, it will be a major drag on the global economy. So the things that we're looking at, the things that we're going to keep our eye on, are what's happening in China. We know they're not going to go back to 12% growth rates, but we want to at least try and keep the, the image up, the house of cards going, that assumes that, well, maybe they're going to be growing at around 6%, even though it's probably closer to 4 But as long as they can manage that economy by printing more of their money and keeping commodity prices up high enough that keeps these major companies and countries from going into default, that's good for the global economy. And all that is basically being orchestrated by the central banks, cooperation of the Federal Reserve in the United States, the ECB in Europe, the Bank of England, the People's Bank of China, the Japanese Central Bank, the Swiss National Bank. They're all colluding to try and keep commodity prices stable and then moderately rising, and to keep growth in China, other emerging markets, but basically China, everything's focused around China, at or around 6%. And if it's going to decline, allow it to slowly decline down to around 4% as easy as they can. That's what keeps the global economy on an upward trajectory. It doesn't matter who's in the White House, it doesn't matter who's the president of France. It doesn't matter who the Prime Minister of Canada is. It doesn't matter what happens with NAFTA agreements or Trans-Pacific treaties or whether or not Puerto Rico goes bankrupt or if Illinois is solvent or not. None of those things matter. So as we've discussed for a long time, focus on China, focus on central bank policy, what's happening with interest rates, and then keep your eye on the price of commodities because the price of commodities will tell you what's really happening the central bankers will lie government officials in china will fudge the statistics but we'll know the truth by what happens with commodity prices well that's it that's the secret it's all about learning how to identify value i'll close out today's episode with an emphasis on static and how to identify the valuable information in a sea of noise As many of you know, I'm a ham radio operator. That's what I love to do. It's one of my favorite hobbies. And so we'll close out with some static until the next episode. As always, this is John Pugliano, wishing you the very best returns.